Hello and welcome to the Casually Hardcore Podcast, episode 71. Joining us this day, the legendary Athis, talking lore, story, and more. We've got so much that we want to talk about, especially with the hype of Endwalker, the story, and the conclusion of what started 10 years ago uh, in this world we call Heidelin. So with that, as part of the show, just kind of a preparatory, if you're watching this, if this somehow showed up in your feed, we're going to start with non-spoiler content, and as we level up, we're going to have a little bit more spoilers and spoilers. So if you're watching this video and you want to know if we just kind of toss in a subject right here at the bottom, right now we're going to be talking about Final Fantasy 14 and Walker and 16 Expectations. But as we move forward and down the row, you'll see kind of little spoiler warnings and more. So just kind of pay attention to the topic if you don't want to have anything spoiled, if you're still a sprout making your way through ARR or Heaven's Word, etc., so just note, that's going to be how we're going to function and manage with this podcast itself. Ethis, welcome back to the show. How have you been? How is life been treating good. you? Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been great. Life's treating me fairly well. Obviously, I'm very excited and very busy uh, with all the Endwalker stuff uh, coming down the pipeline. Um, but uh, otherwise, you know, I'm good. Business as usual. What, what's busy for you? Like, what is your typical mm. workflow? So you said, like, obviously, we're all excited about Walker. What does mm -hmm. that look like on, like, a day-to-day -day in the life of Ethis for preparatory? Day-to-day, <laughs> uh, -day, an average day, an average day at the moment um, is usually, like, four or five hours of writing, um, about four or five hours of editing, and... Um, three times a week also four or five hours of streaming <laughs> so anywhere between like you know 10 or 15 hours of uh of busy work but um no it's good I'm, I'm i'm happy when i'm busy i'm really like when you when you kind of uh focus in so much on on one game one franchise when one ip when you suddenly get like this explosion of new information it's like yes i don't i don't have to like invent things i don't have to like make content it's there in front of me and all i have to do is like deliver it forward you know what i mean yeah i i know exactly what you mean in that regard mm -hmm. it's like hey all right it's the sun's shining it's time that we can we have all of this prep work that we've been doing yeah. we could sit down and yep. talk about it so you and chris have actually been doing a lot of collabs chris why don't yeah, you tell people have. about some of that uh i'm playing through arr for the first time soon to be going into heaven's word for the first time um, as a longtime player i've been playing since arr is just a story skipper so that's been coming over and answering all my questions and i'm getting comments like why are you asking questions? Just just read more. And it's like, well, that's what got me in this mess. So it's really nice of Ethis to come over and give me a format that like, clearly my, even when I am reading, I'm still not getting 100% comprehension. So like, it's nice to have somebody come in and shed some light. And then there's there's been a, a lot of positive responses from other people who are like, you know, I don't remember that, or I think I missed that. So somewhere mm -hmm. in there, there's a couple nuggets and, and gems. And then he's been extending that by saying, okay, this format's kind of fun. What if I removed Chris from the equation and just and just took more questions? And so if you haven't seen that, if you like the videos with me, they're even better if you just remove me and replace me with a fire. Uh, and and he's he's doing the same thing on his channel. Uh, and they're awesome. They're way over my head. They're way oh, over my oh, head. Dude, I no. listen to them just the same. Your Endwalker, uh, Endwalker, your fireside chats at this have mm. been just a treat. Like they're just, it's been wonderful because I've been enjoying the the collabs with you and Chris because mm -hmm. like as somebody who's actively played the story, it's been like, oh man, I forgot about that. And having that question come up, be like, ah, oh, it's something I haven't thought about in a while. It's been, I've been very appreciative of your time with him, but also with your fireside mm -hmm. chats. And hopefully you've been having fun making them because- I, I honestly, it's it's been really great to see you making YouTube content uh, on yeah. the regular again. Yeah, yeah, it's been a blast. I mean, Chris uh, jokes about it, but honestly, like straight up, the the genesis of the idea for that series was Chris and I like discussing uh, the content we were doing together and being like, now what if I just like did that without Chris? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you, YouTube algorithm, the YouTube algorithm on on the back end, um, yeah. they have those new banners that pop up and tell you like why a video is doing well or why a video is doing poorly. Mm -hmm. It takes those videos and it's like, whatever's different about this video, you should do more of that. And I was like, you mean mm -hmm. that thing where it's not me talking? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get right on that. Uh, thank you, YouTube, for the backhanded compliment. I understand uh, he's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, so <clears throat> as a part of this, I want to kind of start to dive into kind of our first main subject here, and Walker, uh, and 
Final Fantasy 16 expectations, there is a connective tissue in Yoshi P, the, you know, the main, uh, you know, I guess, producer and director for 14, just producer mm-hmm. for 16. So I want to kind of bundle these two together because they're kind of coming in hot and I can't have one. I can't think of one without the other right now. And maybe that's just me. But uh, Ethos, what would be some of your like Endwalker expectations, non-spoilery? Uh, you know, what, what do you want to see with the uh, with the latest game? non-spoilery um okay well one thing that that i was really really hoping for and expecting and actually got like 100 percent confirmed a couple of days ago Ooh. is that uh the lead main scenario writer for shadowbringers natsuko shikawa is once again head uh of the writing team for Endwalker, and her like bringing it home again as we've been saying and it's it's, it's not a spoiler that the uh the whole like story arc the narrative arc over the last 10 years since yoshida took over the project has has been kind of hurtling towards its conclusion and that conclusion is going to be 6.0 and just knowing that ishikawa is head of the writing team for that i mean she's been like she wasn't head writer for ARR and Heavensward, but everyone's like favorite parts of ARR and Heavensward, like um, the Dark Knight quest line. Whole... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Dark Knight quest line, uh, Binding Coils of Bahamut. Mm-hmm. She wrote um, the the whole like uh, uh, Ishgard chapter in ARR where Orshafon is first uh, introduced. Um, yeah, all all of like the great stuff from those two expansions. That was her. Same with uh, with Stormblood, and then of course uh, Shadowbringer. She was. Uh, main uh lead main scenario writer i should say um and uh yeah that's like honestly this is the most exciting thing for me um my other expectations i i i don't know if i can kind of like get into them without spoiling things okay well we'll, we'll get into them further down in, into the podcast because it's okay. all going to come uh, together so chris how about you any kind of uh like expectations that you have uh for uh for Endwalker itself honestly um my fear with this game is that eventually the spaghetti code, the crippling underneath things, the things we don't talk about are just going to slowly grind this game to a halt. Right. And that, that we have this beautiful layer on the top where we all live, but underneath it's just a game that has these chronic structural issues. And they're like, well, we were going to do something better, but we couldn't. And like the more times that comes up, the more times they have to trim a piece of content we typically got just to keep the patch cycles on time. Um, that concerns me. And like, it feels weird to be like in like one of the most critically acclaimed uh, MMO expansions of all time and be like, I'm concerned and like, why? And it's like, no, no, I understand we feel good today, but we're making decisions that I'm worried about. And so like, as interviews come out, as the showcase event played out, when they talk about things like data center visit, when they talk about things like understanding the 70-30 split of um, development versus innovation, when they talk about making sure Yoshi P stays on in a role as he steps back and he stays partially involved and they invest in people and they let those people go on and work on the things they want to work on with 16. Like there are all these little nuggets that tell me that there is a culture that says like, we know this isn't sustainable as well. Mm -hmm. And that's a sign that those things can get fixed. That's a sign that, you know, like the data center split was really controversial. We had a really smooth launch with Shadowbringers. We've had a great experience. World Visit's been wonderful. It rolled out some enormous systems with things like Ishgard and fish and fishing raids that they knew were coming and slammed 90 million people into zones everywhere. And, and the game didn't crash. And they hot fixed the way Ishgard, the race worked, where like you couldn't World Visit. They just did that. They're like, oh, this needs to change. And they just did that. There wasn't like a delay or an apology. It was just like, hey, we had a plan A, we had a plan B, plan B's already ready. Let's just do it. Like there have just been some technical things that I think we get to ignore because we're all enjoying the story and we're enjoying, you know, crying and whatever, why ever that, you know, like that's what we're doing. We're just like, yeah, I just cried today. It was amazing. I love this video game. And, and like, we get to do that, but behind the scenes, I think what I'm excited about Endwalkers is it feels like they're still trying to design a game that isn't going away at the end of 6.0. And so uh, on that same kind of note, bye bye belts. Uh, when they said they yeah. cut belts, I was in here. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a technical reason." Hands we're go- are falling down. We're gonna get we're gonna get more uh, slots, and they're like, "And we're doing more weapons and more rings," which is exactly what I think what was needed. Uh, you know, especially because we haven't seen belts since 1.0, and at the core of it, I'm like, "All right, that that this makes sense." But people are like, "Why are they doing it?" I go, 
memory. Like at, at the core mm-hmm. of it, that mm-hmm. is the easiest way to recover so much memory and be able to kind of reallocate it. And the fact that they're sitting on five extra slots tells me job stones and things like that for the future. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Like that, you know, and, and then obviously the uh, Yoshi P's interview talking about how everybody says like they're, they have a five year, like five years. It's like, yeah, that's how far he's gotten on his pegboard for, for content. They, they could easily mm-hmm. take this game another 10 years that they continue to, to reinvent and go back into the code. One of the things that we, when we were out of the media tour with Yoshi P He's like, yeah, we actually had to redo the entire Chocobo system. It's not a patch note. It's not whatever. It, and you never see the yeah. difference, but we had to redo the whole you know thing from the ground mm-hmm. up. And yeah, that's how it is. Like, it's like, okay. And so they're still going in and, and working their way through. It, it, it's costly. Like as a developer, when you're going into the foundation of your game, like there's there could easily be rippling effects from expansion to expansion. And you got to do a lot of testing. That's why I like, oh man, like, some point, I wonder if we'll ever see a kind of a hard cut. But um, well, the, go ahead. Yeah, you you know you know the the, the stat squish when they were talking about that mm-hmm. uh, in the showcase. Koji actually said, like translating Yoshida, uh, we're probably going to have to do something like this in another ten years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and exactly. the, the the implications of that were just like, yeah. But w- what's really funny is that like at the same time, you've got people in the Twitch chat for the showcase being like, "Oh, so Endwalkers is the last expansion they're going to end the game after this one, huh?" It's like same with the Xbox quote. The <laughs> yeah. Xbox quote was, um, "The Xbox quote was right now we don't have the resources to to give the amount necessary to platforms, but for the long. T- but then there's a second part to that. There's a yeah. second part where he says, "For the yeah. long term health, we are looking at like we know we need to go to more platforms. Mm-hmm. We know we and like so. There's this other half that everybody's like, oh, see, Xbox not com- you know Xbox never coming to Xbox. It's like, let the guy finish. Like, he, <laughs> there's another part there that says like, no, we understand the long term health, not today, mm-hmm. but we're not saying never." Well, yeah, and that I think that's such also a political kind of statement in the in the regards because you don't want to ever be like, oh yeah, you said never, and then you know somebody writes a big enough check, things move, things happen. Uh, we'll have to wait and see at the core of it because, but if it doesn't happen with Endwalker, I wouldn't expect it till seven Like I don't expect a you know adding a platform mid expansion. Um, of outside of like the PlayStation ecosystem because it's like, oh, you're already on PlayStation. Okay, cool. We've already got the SDK. We're good. Uh, in that mm-hmm. regards, but let's uh, talk a little bit about 16 before we kind of dive into our kind of main topics itself. Uh, uh, Yoshi P announced Final Fantasy 16. This game looks insane and incredible. Uh, at this, what are, what are your thoughts? What are your expectations for this upcoming uh, new entry into the Final Fantasy series? Well, I guess um, just to keep some consistency with my expectation for Ann Walker, um, Ishikawa is now the lead main scenario writer for 14, mm-hmm. but uh, Kazutoya Mahiro, who was the lead main scenario writer for Rum Reborn and Heaven's Ward, um, stepped down to dev supervisor for uh, Stormblood and Shadowbringers, but was basically like moved laterally to some mystery projects uh, after Heaven's Ward. So uh, people are looking at 16 and being like, okay, he is almost definitely like lead main scenario writer for that so between him and uh hiroshi takai um directing and he was of course the the like assistant director he was like uh basically yoshida's number two for the for the the task force that saved final fantasy 14 and like you know made a realm reborn a reality uh and then of course rio suzuki on uh battle directing from you know devil may cry and dragon's dogma like i'm i'm so so excited for um obviously for like the story and the setting and like going back to that very like matsuno inspired high fantasy theme but more than anything else is just like yoshida's sort of dream team that Mm -hmm. he forged for realm reborn like so many of them are now on on board like not not more than the people that i just mentioned there's you know like art designers and like more like battle designers and stuff like that have kind of been like quietly sort of moved laterally over the last couple of expansions onto this again this mystery project um and it's just like you know yoshida yoshida's king (laughs) Like what's more, what's, what's more to say about it? I think he definitely has earned his shot here in this regards. Like start mm-hmm. like a game from uh, scratch. What do you think about the fact that it's also going to be M rated the first M rated entry into the final fantasy series? 
Yeah, I think that's really exciting because it's something that he's wanted to do a lot with Final Fantasy XIV. Um, I remember interviews like back in um, uh, after 2.55 uh, with, you know, the bloody banquet, like um, Telegi Adelegi getting cut in half and Ravon losing his arm and everyone's like, whoa, this is a Final Fantasy game. Like, how did you get away with doing stuff like that? And he's like, well, we had to do it very, like, euphemistically. We can't show blood. We had to constantly, like, you know, cut things. Or, and he's talking about, like, all these, these sort of limitations to being able to tell this story that he wants to tell. And I think in one way, it sort of makes you um, do, like, some creative problem solving. But on the other hand, just, like, being given the the license and the free reign to sort of like tell the story that you want to tell without having to constantly like dial it back is just really exciting i just i'm expecting like um i i think like the most um uh the most memorable scene from shadowbringers um, if you ask most people is like the transformation of, of Tesline, right? Mm -hmm. And being like, okay, here's the stakes of this thing that we're finding. Just moments like like that. I mean, just, you know, seeing the trailer here, we've already got like a couple of those sort of moments. And I think it's just going to make it a, a really like tense, dramatic uh, kind of story that I think is just like, I'm so excited for it. Absolutely. Chris, you got any thoughts on uh, on sixteen and the uh, it, it just behind the team behind it? I think I think Edis hit on the two main points that I have for sixteen. The first is Dream Team. The first is this is a victory lap for a lot more than just Shishida. This is this is people who have probably started as you know the stereotypical um, you know male guy or coffee coffee person that were a clerk in the gaming industry because they were passionate and they have have worked their way up to a position where there aren't enough people to tell them no. And mm -hmm. they are now allowed to do whatever they want. And so that there's there's a lot of joy there. But then the counter side to that is that word constraint. Um, there is a lot to design philosophy where, um, you know, my education background is in, in architecture. And one of the one of the concepts of architecture is that you, you cannot have good design without constraint. Um, it is not it is not possible. Design is is beauty in, in how it responds to constraint. And where we see that in the business world is that there are people of different talent sets. There are people who are good at turning ships around. There are people who are good at sending ships through storms. And not everybody is good at going and getting design a ship from the ground up. So as excited as I am that they've earned this victory lap from an expectation standpoint, I just want to take joy in this game and enjoy it for what it is and that it's a passion project. And that's a lot of the, the the concepts that started Final Fantasy as a franchise. Um, but I don't want to set expectations ridiculously high because if there's any part of it that's just a little bit off, that could have just been like, this could be a team of people who are really good at turning things around. A Realm Reborn is an unheard of thing to do. And like, what if that's their skill set? There's nothing wrong with that. That's an incredible skill set to have. What if they're not good in a void? Um, and so I just don't want to say this is going to be the game of all games. And if it is, like, I'm happy to be wrong. Like, I win big. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, I would love to be wrong. But I don't want mm -hmm. to immediately assume it's the game of all games. And when it comes in as something simply great, I'm disappointed. Um, because with all we know about these people is they're really good about working within the constraints about in 14. Um, this is a victory lap that's given them an unbelievably large leash. And that can be just enough rope to hang yourself with is the phrase. Like it's, it's a gross phrase and it's, it's a very real phrase. And that's, that's why that gets used in design communities because it, it can be a really dangerous amount of freedom. I think Yoshi P has, uh, has started and has changed a lot of the culture within Square Enix and how they approach these projects. And yes. when I look at Final Fantasy 15, a lot of like uh, that was going on already while 14 was being reborn and, and saved. And it's crazy to think 15 came out, you know, five years ago. And my hope for 16 is that that culture shift is uh, rooted in the core design of 16 and it actually then carries forward so if 16 is a success and people like it whether like you want that the battle system to be different like all the, like the minor critiques that a gamer will have of a game like isn't really what i'm talking about here but if it is a successful game that we can see going forward some better design processes within square enix as, as a whole i can't 
uh, tell you how frustrating it is to be a fan of the the company and have these 10 year projects that start and restart and get canceled. And, you know, like where there's all this turmoil and turnover. And I just don't like it. That's just too much to be invested in because then I look over at the other stuff they're producing. We just saw, and I've just downloaded the demo for triangle strategy and mm. uh, like, ho oh, ho yeah. <laughs> and same thing with Octopath Traveler. Like, are these like amazing AAA games? Like, no, like, but they don't have to be. And that's something that I think Square Enix has learned. Like, like there's like a hungry, you know, community that wants these stories and wants these games. And you don't have to go spend 10 years on a project for fear of like the name and the brand. Like, just go and make your best. And one of the core changes Yoshi has made when he when he separated the Metacritic score from the developer's bonuses, saying, hey, who cares what the internet thinks? Like, let's make the game we want to make. Let's let's let our creativity shine and not worry about our, our the financial impact that somebody on Reddit or somebody over at Metacritic or some stupid YouTuber worked a game could like <laughs> could sit here and impact you financially because they didn't like one you know certain thing. And so I really appreciate that aspect and change that he has made. Now, let's keep moving forward here. Um, the biggest <laughs> question that uh, I think, uh, and this is I think very interesting, especially with our with our guest here. Does a Final Fantasy XIV player need to play the story? Is lore a requirement for enjoying Final Fantasy XIV? Ethis, the question is yours. Um, what would you expect me to say here? I just, I just kind of like. Uh, obviously, you guys had expectations bringing me on. What, where do you think I would stand on this? Because um, that's I surprise all the people. <laughs> hmm? That's Chris's question. So, Chris, do you want to answer him? <laughs> um, I really don't think you're going to stand outside of the traditional if you like the game that's great that's beautiful mm -hmm. it would allow a deeper understanding if you want the lore but it, it shouldn't be forced on anybody i assume that's the traditional middle of the road response and somebody falls either just light mm -hmm. or just 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 right or just i don't expect you to be at a far end what i do think is unique to you as far as inviting you on for this question because this was one of the questions that like spun to this podcast we talked to you about this like two months ago or something and said we should talk mm -hmm. to you after the showcase mm -hmm. and um i i think my person is that your perspective on it is somebody who spent so much time with the lore mm -hmm. um might offer more nuance to that response than what most of us do so i think i'm expecting something a beautifully worded way of, of the common response is what I'm expecting. Oh, okay. I don't know if I just set a false expectation there. <laughs> I know. So a lot of, a lot of people are surprised um, when I uh, try to kind of reel it back from people that do sort of, uh, I guess, gatekeep in a way saying like, if you're not paying attention to the story, if you're not enjoying the story, if you're not like digesting the law, then you're not like playing the game right. Final Fantasy XIV is a theme park MMO. It delivers a lot of different kinds of content to a lot of different kinds of people. Um, and uh, I didn't start playing because of the story. And um, I would never play just for the story and just for the lore. There are a lot of people that like will play the new MSQ patch and like whatever other bits of story that they're interested in and then like unsub and go somewhere else. I'm not one of those people. If, if I was not like engaged in rating, like primarily, but you know other kinds of content. I wouldn't keep coming back to fourteen. Um, I started playing fourteen. I, I I first got like really invested because of like the the end game raid system, and that is what kind of like uh, acted as a, a sort of doorway into this world for me. Right? Mm -hmm. Is that I was really engaging with this content in in, in first coil, and then suddenly as I like, oh wow, you know this world's like a lot larger and a lot more compelling than I had realized and suddenly I'm sort of like inspired to to kind of go digging deeper and I think for most people um that's kind of how the game works right is that you're most people are coming at it as MMORPG players mm -hmm. um and they're getting to a certain point where the story has kind of got its hooks in them and then you go back and sort of start digesting that is that is that fair to say i mean that's basically what's happening with you right now chris is like you played through shadowbringers and you're like wow they've done a great job here um let's kind of go back and see what more we can discover right let me follow that up with uh would you say uh it would be advisable for those maybe to just start with shadowbringers and then if shadowbringers hooks them go backwards mm -hmm. uh so before Shadowbringers launch, 
Yoshida and Ishikawa and Koji and pretty much anyone that was getting interviewed by anyone was saying Shadowbringers, we've written Shadowbringers so that it can stand alone as a story so that you can have never paid attention, never played any of the other Final Fantasy XIV content and still be like really engaged and really compelled by the Shadowbringers story. And I think I think that is true. I think they did a really, really, really good job there. Um, obviously, it's kind of like building off of stuff from previous expansions. And if you are, you know, if you've been around, if you're invested in that stuff, it's it's like more rewarding, but it does, like it stands on its own two feet, right? Um, and I think, I think I don't know if I'd encourage people to start with Shadowbringers, but I think Shadowbringers is a lot more approachable. When, when you're trying to sell the story of Final Fantasy XIV, you don't talk about narrative beats from A Realm Reborn, or at least not from like, you know, before 2.5, really. You're talking about, I mean, mostly it's stuff that happens in, in Shadowbringers, but like the, the common... Um, what people will commonly say is like, oh, it gets good from like Heaven's Ward. It gets really interesting. And you kind of try to use that to sell people on ARR and and to sell people on the game. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a mistake. I think using 14 story to try and sell people on 14 is a mistake because if they're only coming in for the story and if their expectation is I'm going to be playing this game just for the story, they're never going to make it to, to Shadowbringers. Like even with the... Um, a Realm Reborn revamp. Like, ARR is still um, a bit of a slog. It requires a, a huge amount of, like, investment and, and faith in this story before it really, like, starts to pay off for most people. Yeah. So when I'm trying to sell 14 to people, like, I'll say, yeah, the story's great. Like, you shouldn't rush through the story. Don't don't think of it like, you know, World of Warcraft or, like, you know, other MMOs where the, the object is just to get to endgame as quickly as possible. Um, but I will say, like, the, the endgame raid scene is really good, is really healthy. It is an excellent theme park MMO. And, like, whatever kind of content that you're into, you will find something that kind of delivers that to you. And you will reach a point, like whatever kind of content you're doing, you will reach a point where you start to realize that like you're invested in these characters and you're invested in this story. And at that point, you want to go back and like start paying attention and suddenly A Realm Reborn will be, uh, will be a lot more digestible and a lot more valuable to you from that point. So is lore a requirement? No, no, absolutely not. If you treat lore as a requirement, if you treat lore as a prerequisite, you're going to be setting yourself up to fail. So uh, follow-up, is lore a requirement if you're a content creator? No. <laughs> no, are you kidding me? How many how many content creators, like how many of us jabronis give a damn about the law? Like not not very many, right? <laughs> I asked because there was there's one and he's no longer making content for 14, which is sad, mm -hmm. but it was that they his his community eventually bullied him into mm -hmm. making content and uh, or into going and playing the story, and he was just about the raid scene, and uh, and mm -hmm. then it's like, all right, and now no, he's <laughs> all right, guys. I'm done with fourteen. Like that's not what he was there for. He was there for the yeah. raids, and then it's like that 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 mindset of you have to be playing the story, and it's mm -hmm. and I I completely agree with you. And then from the content creator side, I, we've seen a huge uptick in Chris's likability since he's mm -hmm. been doing a realm revoice since he's been doing this like this curiosity thing and people have been like it's it's truly yeah. fascinating just the the like chris's likability was uh, like from the story was like low and then it's like hey guys i'm doing ar and they're like this is amazing we're finally mm -hmm. chris, we finally got chris to play the mm -hmm. story <laughs> anyway uh, yeah, yeah I, I i do think that i am not promoting Shadowbringers. i am not promoting the this is the order to watch the star wars movies in I am not mm. promoting that everybody should go through the path I've gone through. There's a lot painful about the path I'm going through. Um, I'm trying to get those into words so I can put those videos about out because like, this is not the solution. It's, it's a different way to go at it. But um, like, I'll see comments from time to time. They're like, this is weird. Like you're going back and doing ARR on a new character now. And you did Shadowbringers and you're talking to people about like ethos about these big concepts. And like, this is a weird way to do this. Yeah. This was not the plan. I didn't pick up ARR when like, yeah, so here's my plan. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pick up the game. I'm going to play it for two or three years. I'm going to start a YouTube channel. I'm going to get really invested. I'm going to learn to tank and change my total play style. I'm going to change myself from a WoW in-game raider to a casual player. I'm going to wait until I go into full-time content creation. And then I'm going to go back and like, it's a, it was not the plan. 
This mm. is something that each step has been, what do I want to do next? What have my goals shifted to? And that's how I ended up here. And the game happens to have a path for that. And so mm. I think that's what... I think that's what people forget is that like there isn't a right way to play 14. There's just a whole lot of weird ways. Like it is just as weird to me as the way I'm doing it to only play from 5.0 to 5.1 and then come back at 5.5 and play till 6.1. That is just as weird to me. It's not wrong. There are people that do that. They come in from the 0.5 to the 0.1 and they're gone. They play, they play three to four months out of a two year cycle. And, um, and that's not wrong. There are people that say all, oh, well, I have four houses and all I do is glamor. That's weird. IG pose. I was so excited for explore room. That's weird. It's odd. Like, I don't get it. It's awesome. And like, when I see content made about it, I'm like, I've never even thought about it. Like, they're like, oh yeah. And I'm using these stickers and here's these amazing screenshots. Like it's never crossed my mind. It's not wrong. It's just, there's a whole lot of weird ways to play this game. So uh, uh, Ventus seven 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 uh, says. Mm -hmm. uh, so Ethos, are you going to go into Larry's anima and Emmett's theory? Jeez, <laughs> uh, do you guys really want me to do this? It's up to you. <laughs> is so, this getting into spoiler? Yeah. This, oh, this is. Oh, mm, yeah. Minus spoiler. Let's <laughs> okay. say minus. Spoiler. We're, we're at that point in the podcast anyway. Okay. If, you, if you're okay. thirty-seven minutes in, so. Larry and I were having a conversation on Stay the Realm last week about anima. Anima in Final Fantasy X is, I mean, Final Fantasy X, spoiler for, you know, those of you who haven't played it, nearly 20 years old now. Um, oh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I also, I just I had like a moment, it. I just had a sinking moment of existential dread when I realized that Final Fantasy X is nearly 20 years old. Oh my. Um, uh, so my we, I've been Final playing... Fantasy. That's been, my favorite entry. Uh, I've been playing this game mm -hmm. for 10 years. So let's just like, it's it's, it's a decade. Yeah. Go ahead. I'll give you that. Um, so, all right. In, in Final Fantasy X, Anima is Seymour's mother that has been, you know, transformed into his, uh, I don't what do they call them? Aeons. Aeon. Yeah. That's the one. Right. So um, Larry had this idea that, hey, maybe Anima is like, uh, you know, uh, Varys's mum. Or, or, you know, Xenos's mom, Varys's mom, I think. I yeah, think we haven't seen any idea. of their moms. <laughs> um, and that um, she was transformed into anima through the um, harrowing process of uh, copulating with an Asian, <laughs> to put it politely. <laughs> Is this so a fanfic theory? I mean, it's. It, I'm sure it probably is by now. If it's not, then it will be very soon. You'll have to ask Larry about that. Um, so Ventus is messing with you. <laughs> That's so um, awesome. <laughs> but thanks, thanks. Oh, I love it. I, I figured it was some kind of I inside joke. It. I hate it. <laughs> you hate it so much. <laughs> oh man, that's too funny. Ugh. That's too freaking funny. Thank you, Ventus, for that. I appreciate that one. All right, let's go ahead and move into our second topic in this case. Uh, getting into the light spoilers, Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. How do you feel about it now that the story is, well, put complete in quotations? Uh, the story Shadowbringers is not complete. What are you talking about? Or, or are you suggesting that how do we feel about the idea that it's going to be wrapped up in 6.0? Well, I would leave the question to Chris. So, I, I, so in theory... Mm -hmm. The story of the first was designed to be told over 5.0 through 5.3, right? Okay. So 5.3, yeah. you know, we're at this point, we're starting to see we're lit come to a close. We've seen mm -hmm. Eden come to a close. Like we've, yep. we've seen these things get to a point where they're, they're as closed as we closed Stormblood. They're as closed as we closed Heavensward. There are open-ended notes. Um, Stormblood in particular, I know a lot of people, <laughs> like, I'm not a big Stormblood, Stormblood guy, but people are like, I'm what? actually, That's I'm actually... Ended? I'm actually enjoying but, Stormblood more now that we have Boja. Like, I felt like there was something mm, missing. I mm -hmm, felt like it was building. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, by the way, we're going to go Dimension Hot for a minute. And then it's mm -hmm. like, okay, now we're going to put this little cap on, you know, uh, Stormblood. Yeah. But yeah. So I, I, I wrote these topics. So these topics. <laughs> so in my mind, this topic is how do you feel as we come to 5.5? We don't know what 5.5 and 5.55 holds. But at this point, like, how do you feel comparing this as like a complete expansion package to now that we know we're not getting another ultimate to okay. Stormblood, Heavensward, 
ARR, right? Those are story okay. packages. And yes, mm -hmm. the narrative goes on, but mm -hmm. like, how are you feeling as far as like Shadowbringers? Um, at this point, if a new player comes in and they're like, oh, we're all talking about Endwalker now. So in some mm -hmm. ways, our mind has already kind of brought Shadowbringers to a close, even though mm -hmm. we still have two more substantial patch cycles. Okay, I understand what you're saying. Um, so I think this is this was more true of Heavensward than any of the other expansions, right? Is that we again we've got this kind of grand narrative arc with Hydaelyn and Zodiac and um, the uh, the war with Garlemald and all that. And while um, particularly the Hydaelyn Zodiac thing, like uh, Heavensward, kind of built a lot into that, particularly in the post Heavensward patches. Um, the story of like the dragon song war itself was relatively self-contained and it's just like okay well then you know you get some um, the scholasticate and you get the ishgard restoration and a couple of side stories and stuff that sort of bring, brings us back to ishgard but for the most part we kind of like tied a bow on that right and i think shadowbringers is going to be kind of similar with uh with novrat right is that like you know jobs done there like we've restored the darkness um through the course of eden we like uncovered the the truth of the flood of lights and you know we dealt with eden uh we have kind of um done most of the work of restoring the empty and now it's just kind of like sit back and and let that happen um i was over here expecting that uh the the eight-man raid and the 24-man raid um may bring us back to Novrant because it would be weird that we just kind of like totally leave that behind. You know, we still got like Gaia and Reen and like a whole bunch of characters that we're invested mm -hmm. in yeah. there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and hearing that like the eight man pandemonium is like almost certainly not going to be on the first. Right. And the 24 man is specifically going to be in, or at least about Eorzea. That's certainly not going to be on the first. Um, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like we, we really are just kind of like leaving a huge part of, of Shadowbringers behind us. Um, you know, we keep joking, like uh, Shadowbringers might be over, but Stormblood's never over, right? We're coming into like Stormblood, yeah. Stormblood 2. We're sort of returning to Stormblood. Um, I I suspect and I hope that the exploration content for Endwalker is going to be about like going into the parts of the empty that are sort of being restored. Like with Bodger, we've got this prerequisite um uh of um of ivalice right mm -hmm. yeah and it's setting this precedent for having like you know raid content uh gating exploration content and i wouldn't be surprised if they do the same thing for exploration content in endwalker and I, I would find that kind of really compelling is you know like like you were just saying brian you know how great it feels to be kind of doing bosher and feeling like that yes. has built so much on on yes. uh, on stormblood right yes well i think and i hope we'll see the same thing where the exploration content we get in endwalker will kind of feel like it's continuing the 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 narrative of, of shadowbringers and all the questions that we've got left and the time that we want to spend uh you know further with uh with these characters absolutely so, so that that's my hope so um I have a, I have a I have a question because this is just it's crazy speculation theory but with 6.0 actually ending the mm -hmm. story of the expansion but also yeah. just this first epic right like if you think yeah. of it, this was an epic from you know I'd say from 1.0 to uh 6.0 that's an epic really? we'll probably do another epic or they'll they're still they haven't kind of some interviews kind of sees that they might actually be shorter stories that are kind of more self-contained who knows mm -hmm. that they decide to then build up upon them uh, with a kind of another thread, but what if we see like as a part of this a rejoining in which Norvrant and like other kind of uh, these elements get pushed back into the main world, so that mm -hmm. Norvrant and all the characters that we've had this uh, this experience with, we get to then be they, they're a part of this this whole new world that happens at the the can the, probably what I would say the conclusion of Endwalker. Well, narratively speaking, having a rejoining would like undermine Shadowbringers because all like what Shadowbringers is all about is preventing a rejoining mm -hmm. between the first and the source. Because what happens if if there is a rejoining um is that everyone dies on the first. Right. Um un unless we come up with some new like Deus Ex Machina, unless we find out like how say Emmett Salk and La Habrea survived the Sundering and do that to just like everyone that we care about in Novrant, 
then they would not survive that process. Um, I've been seeing like a lot of people when they're speculating about Endwalker, they're like, all right, what if we see more rejoinings? What if we see mm. like uh, the Warrior of Light sort of take on the role of an Asian? What if we see them take on like the the memories and the identity of uh, um, of Azem, right? Mm -hmm. And while these are all like interesting and compelling theories, from a narrative perspective, so many of these, like most of these that I've been hearing really do just like undermine and like belittle the whole, uh, the whole like uh, fulcrum of, of Shadowbringers and of like this 10 year narrative arc, right? Yeah, if people die, you know, in that regards, like if there's a, because mm. essentially the the theory that I've always kind of, or the question I've always pondered about the Essenes is that when they messed up the 13th, like mm -hmm. I was like, they obviously clearly felt like there was still a pathway forward and that pathway right. was that they didn't have to get all the different, you know, planets, you know, all the different, uh, sorry, shards uh, in this case. Mm -hmm. And so then the question is, is that like, it's it, they kind of had this they ended up getting so focused on this uh and sometimes it, that that you know that kind of lasered vision kind of clouds like your peripheral vision to find out like oh it turns out there's a switch over here flip the switch oh nobody's got to die <laughs> you know it's like like it seems that you know like I'm, I'm always wondering and not that it would be so simple as and foolish as just like oh here's the everybody lives switch we'd flip that on yeah it took us a whole expansion mm -hmm. to get like four people back to the source so mm -hmm. like saving a whole shard seems Look, expensive even even if no one dies like the whole point of eden mm -hmm. was like hey we've saved this world now let's restore it so people can like reclaim it like it's their world i i wouldn't like ask you guys to be like hey i'm gonna destroy earth and we can just all go like chill on mars there's a bunch of other people already there it's gonna it's gonna be cool like we'll all get to hang trust out me together. trust like, me yeah <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I really don't think so. That'll be interesting to see. Ultimately, I, I like. Mm. I, I just wonder because, are we like that whole narrative thread, that whole world, those characters? Mm. Like, if there's nothing that drives us back to the first, like mm. it's just that almost kind of what, what what was it the WoW expansion where the people say you can just skip because it was like an alternate reality? Yeah, yeah. Wad Wad did some weird stuff with like the timeline or whatever. Because when I'm uh, mm. now that I'm interested in fourteen lore, I was trying to go get figure out WoW lore because I've been a WoW player since vanilla and I right of course I have such a loose understanding of the story. Like they do a lot more like voice acting in raids, so like I have a little mm. I have a little more grasp because like it's literally getting shoved into your brain. But um, just imagine like Ethis talking over the raid as you did it. Like his voice is just being broadcast over the PA system. So like you pick I up some things by group. osmosis, but like you, you don't intend to. And so I have a lot of gaps and, mm -hmm. um, and they were, and so I was like, so do I start where, what expansion do I start with? And they're like, well, whatever you do, just, you don't need to do it. And it's like, oh, there's like whole sections that don't matter. Cause they mm -hmm. do weird stuff with like time and all that. Um, mm -hmm. I think when we talk about Asians, that's why I wanted there to be a beast tribe in the Tempest. Like, I understand that that wasn't necessarily like a real thing, but I feel like there's probably enough knowledge in Emmett's head that was not in ours, that it's like, mm -hmm. I could have benefited from two weeks worth of daily quests, enlightening a little bit on like how creation magic works. What is it bound by? What is it not? Like, I think there was a lot there in like the, the conflict that they were struggling with. I don't think it was so much like, okay, Every, you know, they had an 80% voter turnout in the, uh, in the, in the primal voting and, uh, 50% were, were for team Zodiac and 50% uh -huh. for team Heidelin and 20% uh -huh. were abstaining and saying, I'm just not voting in this. My vote doesn't count. Like, I don't think that was what was going on. I think there was a lot of conflicted, deep feelings about like, how did we get to the point that Zodiac was the best option? And then how did mm -hmm. we realize that there was enough wrong with that, that Heidelin was the best option? Mm -hmm. And what about the people who felt like there was another path and like that whole well, zone was like, Hey, them. these are all questions. And it's yeah. like, cool. Are there going to be answers? No, no. Five, like, <laughs> so like we still five, 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 five. But like, I just assume that Shadowbringers is going to leave me with questions. And Walker's going to be answering most of those questions. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of those questions are going to be on the moon, apparently. <laughs> So that takes us perfectly naturally into kind of our third topic, Final Fantasy XIV's mm -hmm. Endwalker story and hype. Full spoiler warning in this case. So what kind of questions do you actually want to see? Like, what what are you hoping to learn from the moon, from, uh, you know, you know, Ooh. Thavnarian, th from, like, you know, all of these places? Because the fact that we're going to, to Thavnir, like, I'm so excited. 
about that mm. aspect, it's just, especially for 1.0, because like I think I saw like a video you were talking about, and I remember like the skirmish weapons, and it's like there's a special mm-hmm. material, and that's yep. what that rock is in the picture that's somewhat yep. behind hidden behind our, our, our cameras and more like that. So I'm just like, yeah. what do you want to see answered about this uh, about this latest expansion? Well, so there's a lot of like Thavnarian law that's been in the peripherals, like you say, since 1.0. Um, not not much of it is super relevant to um, the MSQ, which I think is exciting because I'm pretty sure that Thavnar is going to be one of the places where they really start like seeding whatever the next narrative is going to be. Um, Thavnar is like the perfect sort of gateway to other parts of the world, uh, particularly to Mericidia, um, you know, as as we, you know, have been mentioning in various places, um, Mericidia, the, the only, like, nation that they trade with or have any diplomatic relationship with is Thavnir. Mm-hmm. Um, so Thavnir is, like, a really excellent sort of, like, springboard location into the next um, narrative arc. Um, so I don't, I don't think there's going to be, like, a whole bunch of answered questions there for questions that we have right now. Okay. Um, but, um, I mean, Chris kind of like touched on a couple of like the really good questions that we have left from Shadowbringers is like, okay, why was Zodiac the, the, the sort of the, the seen as the only, the only solution? Yeah. Like why was there no alternative? Um, why was Azem opposed to the summoning of Zodiac and then opposed to the summoning of Heidelin? Like what was this kind of um middle ground what was this this sort of like desperate sort of third path that Azem thought that they could pull off because no doubt we're going to be following like a pretty similar uh path in Endwalker um beyond that uh you know we're being told that the 24 man is going to answer like one of the big sort of mysteries of Eorza and a lot of people are thinking like that's going to have something to do with the presence of, of Silvertear which has been an outstanding mm. mystery since I mean, since before 1.0, since like we first saw that 1.0 trailer, everyone's like, whoa, what's going on there with, you know, Silvertear and all these primal spirits flying out? And like, when are we going to find out about that? Um, those are those are probably the big, the big, big, big two for me. Um, then there's kind of the remaining sort of metaphysical and um, cosmological questions of like how the universe is like sort of outside of the shards whether Mm -hmm. the shards are everything or whether there are are planets that are like you know outside of that um you know we got graha sort of saying oh this is going to be the last tale of this star and people thinking like oh is that sort of suggesting that we're going to see some more like extra planar extraterrestrial stuff like you know the dragon star and whatever created uh omega and all of that sort of like starting to appear again i'm really really excited about that I um, thought he was going to die in Shadowbringers. Don't trust him. He's he's dramatic. <laughs> he thought that was his final journey. That was plan A. Yeah, he is very, very extra. <laughs> oh, Grahart here. Yeah, look, I, I think we're going to be exploring the rest of the planet before, you know, we start doing whatever the whatever it is that uh, Grahart here uh, is implying. But, um, yeah, I... I like I say, there's there's a few questions left, and they are big questions. But I'm really excited to move on to the next thing. You know, yeah, I'm really really excited to move on to like new places, new stories. So, do you have any theories regarding Pandemonium though, in that regards? Because obviously, you're like you you've got pulled in by the raid scene. Pandemonium uh-huh. is the new like eight man raid yeah. uh, in which we see kind of a half mask of La Habrea. A uh, yeah. and how does that then relate to the expectations you have? Uh, especially in light that 6.0 concludes the expansion story. Uh, 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 the 6.0 MSQ concludes MSQ. the expansion story. Yeah. 6.1, we're going on to, like the 6.1 MSQ, we're going on to something else. Right. I don't say anything about Pandemonium. Pandemonium, right. I really think, is going to be kind of like Eden, right? Is that is that like, okay, you know, we've defeated Emmett Selk and we're kind of like moving on trying to get back to the source, but we've got all of Eden to to like, explore these unanswered questions that we've got at the end of 5.0 and i think pandemonium is going to be the same it's like anything that's not answered 6.0 is going to be incredibly like fast and frenetic and hectic and then pandemonium is going to be like all right what's left um if i okay i'm going to put on my tinfoil hat oh yeah please got it there we go tinfoil hats on um laha brea designed zodiac right the hat allows for a man bun (laughs) 
<laughs> a, a big one, a large one. Okay. Yeah. Continue. Um, like the the astrologian hats, like the big cone ones. Oh you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so Lahabre La designed, like wrote the sort of programming for Zodiac, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Zodiac was designed to allow the convocation to rewrite the laws of nature, the laws of existence, the the kind of like metaphysical blueprints of our world. Um, and their priority was like, let's just make things back the way they were before this keening, before this apocalypse started. Like, let's maintain that old status quo. But they didn't necessarily have to do that. Like, they could have, you know, done anything with it they could have you know turned the whole world into chocolate if they wanted to um i <laughs> pandemonium is is hell it's the capital of, of hell yeah um right i really think that we're going to have a sort of um um dante's inferno situation where hell is real like the seven, the seven hells in Eorzean mythology, mm. we're going to find out that that's real and that it was created by La Habrea. Oh, wow. Yeah. When when Emmett Selk talks about La Habrea and when Elidibus talks about La Habrea, they're like, that guy was kind of a sociopath. Like, we're just here, <laughs> we're just here like, trying to save the world. We're here trying to, like, cause these rejoinings and bring our friends back. But La Habrea just, like takes it way too far like we cause a, a calamity and then we get to sit back and be like all right we'll see you guys in like 1500 years when things are sort of repaired a bit and uh we can like do another rejoining right mm -hmm. but la habre just keeps going he's like nah heck that ultimate weapon let's go let's let's keep burning these guys i hate these people so much um and uh that's why like when we fight La Habre, he's like weaker than the other two because he's just been like burning the candle at both ends yeah. for you know twelve thousand years. Um he uh in, in ancient Amarot, he like he made weapons. That was like his shtick. That's that was his hobby. And I think pandemonium, whether or not it's literally hell, mm -hmm. it's going to be like La Habre's kind of place, his his little like man cave yeah. where he's kept all of these awful 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 things and awful secrets that are going to start to kind of like you know break out now that you know he's gone and the rest of the unsunded Asians are gone um so you know that's that's what we're going to have to deal with we've seen hell before though correct in terms of the palace of the dead is like around a certain floor right or is that nope i thought that's what the yoshi p and them said like this is the kind of gateway or door into that um we've seen a lot of places that people like think in in sort of uh local folklore and mythology is is a gateway to a hell mm -hmm. um palace of the dead is palace of the dead's complicated let's put it that way <laughs> palace of the dead is very strange and complicated is it is it like literally one of the hells um probably not is it encroaching on one of them Maybe, you know, we would have said very recently that they didn't actually exist and that they were purely, you know, mythological. But, um, you know, we would have said the same thing about Zodiac being the moon, right? Mm -hmm. when, when the word of the mother says that Zodiac is, is a moon bound, right? With, we're like, oh, you're speaking metaphorically, right? That he's been like separated from the world and is kind of like sealed no, off literally somewhere. strapped into a moon. Yeah, and now we're thinking like, no, the moon's like literally his corpse. She like literally carved out a chunk of the earth where Zodiac's soul was, where Zodiac's crystal was and just like chucked it off into space. And it was like, you're out of here. I'm the mother crystal now. This is my <laughs> planet now. I mean, that's that. Yeah. It, it seems it seems. You get me excited about like pandemonium. Little... Yeah, that could be our that could be our Diablo crossover event. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The pandemonium fortress. Diablo it's, a, it's a totally original story, but that could be our. There you go. It, it, I'm um, saying that because this is six hours before BlizzCon. When we're recording this, right now. <laughs> yeah. this is what they're waiting for oh uh, how insane would that be uh <laughs> hey because i know yoshi p likes diablo so it's like he is no i want yoshi all original raid content this time yeah. i think there's a lot of story to tell i think we need enough mm -hmm. canvas to tell it um I'm, I'm glad people enjoyed the near stuff but like i think this is this is a big expansion and i think giving us an alliance raid series and a raid series to kind of tie up any loose ends that the 6.0 MSQ doesn't get to is really, yeah. really nice. I've struggled mm -hmm. with the, with the near and maybe Ethis can, can say, save it for me in that regards, but I've enjoyed the, the content. 
And yeah, I'm just like, I've, it just, especially coming off of... a little much. Especially coming off of Ivelisse, though. Ivelisse mm. was so, both visually, narratively, I loved the fights. I loved the design. I, Final Fantasy twelve and Ivelisse with tactics, like, I have, uh, like, a, I have a real, like, j- enjoyment of that, uh, and that, and that entire, the Ivelisse, like, alliance, etc., like, for these games. And so, the core of it, I'm like, man. And then it's like, okay, yeah, Nier's great. But then mm-hmm. it just doesn't fit, or does it, I I I can't separate it like in this regards, especially as yeah. it relates to the first. Cause it's like, if we have no reason to engage with that anymore, it's just like this one off little chapter. Oh, and by the way, there's androids over there. Mm-hmm. I haven't yet made that connection in with the total, like the, the rest of the world itself. Yeah. I, I can't reconcile the near raids for you because I, I agree with you hundred percent. Like every single 24 man to date has been a vehicle for like some really cool world building that the near raids are not but i think that we can sort of um show how that has been compensated for um that we've gotten boja mm-hmm. we've gotten whirlit um and those types of content have been like much stronger vehicles for world building than they were in in stormblood right mm-hmm. um in stormblood we had eureka which was a great story but like nowhere near as kind of like impactful and 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 i think well i i think it was pretty interesting but for most people Bajir, you know absolutely tops it um and then of course like well it compared to four lords does like a lot more i think compelling world building so we just have to be like all right they've decided to use different types of content as vehicles for world building in shadowbringers and near is just yeah, it's, it's just, just it's a great it's a great twenty four man that's oh, yeah. just kind of like doing its own thing. It's interesting though, because like out of all the twenty four mans though, like even mm-hmm. though I've enjoyed the content, it's I never queue for it. Like I've done it like I do it two mm-hmm. or three times, and then I'm like, all right, I'll see you around. And I just I, you know, and I know I, I'm gonna I'm gonna regret that when I want to start upgrading my tone gear uh, and that <laughs> next patch. Oh, uh, it's like okay, now I need to go and start living in these raids where I could have been at least just trying to take advantage of it and farming up the materials to this point. So I'm sure I will be spending more time uh, in the near raid in the, in the near future, uh, pun intended in that regards. Uh, <laughs> I, I like it as Rathalos content. It takes up such <laughs> yeah. a bigger amount of space than Rathalos that it's like, that was a little much. Like it could have, mm-hmm. for me, been one Alliance raid from near one Alliance raid from dragon quest one alliance we could have taken the if we didn't want to base things in the first we could have given an alliance raid to a different franchise every time and just just taken a weird yokai watch world tour and Mm. and and that would have meant just as much to me lore wise and in my mind would have been more like more likely to come across because here it's like if you played near this was this could have been really cool for you if you didn't play near sorry like alliance raids are going to be weird for a while um and so um i know that would have been more coordination on their end but like from a purely consumer standpoint that would have been more exciting if if we're just going to make it crossover content then i don't need this many bosses from one title that's fair so any final thoughts i'll toss to chris right now final thoughts before uh, and then we'll go at this and then we'll do me no no um i i think that. 6.0 has a lot to be excited about. We're going to get a lot of news on the 15th and 16th of May. Um, it wouldn't shock me if more, you know, leaks out before then. They haven't confirmed what they're going to do as far as um, media tour. The interviews seem to just slowly stream out. Brian and I are going to be recording on the IGN one today. We talked about the the, the post one, the Washington Post one yesterday. Like, and these these interviews are are deep. Um, I, I think they're really well done um, compared to maybe some of the interviews and Q&As of the past as far as the meat on the bone. And maybe that's just what the things I'm looking for being answered there. But like, uh, I actually feel like for the fact that we didn't get FanFest, they really are trying to give us the traditional build up as best as possible. Um, and it's exciting. Ethis, any final thoughts you want to share? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I basically just echo that. Like, I'm really excited for May. I'm really excited to learn more about it. Um, I'm a little bit uh, disappointed that it doesn't seem we're going to get a traditional media tour because um, the one thing I really love about the media tour is that we have, like, so many different content creators with so many different, like, kinds of focus um, looking and, like, dissecting different things from that media tour build, whereas uh, what we get now is going to be far more, like, strictly 
curated everyone's going to kind of be getting the same stuff and the same assets to dissect and there won't be like i think a, a huge variety um but uh you know who, who, who knows they might end up like delivering some sort of you know digital media to a solution uh i know like other publishers have kind of been doing that over the last um the last 12 months or so um I'm really excited for 6.0, obviously, and I'm really excited for 6.1 because we were not expecting like 6.1 to be like, okay, and now we're off to something new. We really yes. thought that that was going to be like, you know, either 6.4 or 7.0. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. And uh, yeah, that's it. Like it's happening far sooner. Um, it, it makes me like a little, a little bit nervous, you know, that, that it's kind of coming to a close so much faster than we thought, but um it makes me honestly like a lot more excited for uh and walker than i honestly already was so let's go let's do it yeah at the core of it i cannot wait to see how uh especially this whatever this next melee job is uh gearing up with the dragoon i'm really hoping for scythe i cannot wait I, i'm mm -hmm. just i'm that excited for it i really hope it's a necro reaper but whatever it is I'm sure it's going to be exciting for a lot of people to kind of kick back and play. The fact that we're actually getting two jobs is, is kind of is, is exciting because it's like at some point you're like, well, are they going to continue on that pace? Because it does take a lot of work to make the jobs uh, a reality and uh, and bringing that into the game. Um, I'm hopeful for what other kinds of new content based off the interview that uh, over the Washington Post talking about how 70% is planned and focused. Like this is what we're making. Here's your dungeons. Here's your raids. Here's the story. Here's this. And then 30% is like, hey, guys, like think outside the box. What would be fun? And giving the dev team time to invest in that. And that's, I think, one reason why Like I love uh delibrium regani reginu with duka duka um dr i love that as a raid like it feels like honestly like it's a really good raid as appears to like what we've constantly been kind of having as a somewhat predictable right where with omega mm -hmm. and with um with eden those are more trial fight raid bosses where like in ARR and Heaven's Word, we had some kind of trash pulls and buildups, but then with DR, it's like, yeah, like you're just kind of going through boss to boss to like little mini boss to big, like in all the different mechanics. And I've really just, I've really just been enjoying Boja. Boja really makes me excited and, and I really appreciate uh, Stormblood far more just because it's like, I felt like this was the part that was missing in all of it. Like here we are, we're punching this, this empire and yes, they've got civil war. Yes. They've got their problems. Yes, they're an, just an agent of chaos. You know, that's the kind of what they're whole trying to do. But like, how do how do we just a merry band of like folks just take so much land back from them, and then there's no conflict, there's no like threat, and uh, or there's a threat, but there's no like re repercussions up until like until we just decide to bounce dimensions and over to another shark. Like it's like I'm just like, where is this like where is this building to? And then we get Boja, and I'm like, yes. That just is like that, you know, how finally I feel, I feel like that, that whole thing kind of, you know, our, our actions have our repercussions and there is suffering and there is challenge and there is like victory and all of it. So I've been enjoying that. So continue to please make those lore videos because a part of it is like, man, I can't, I don't remember that. Oh Absolutely. man, that was so satisfying. So at this, where can people find you? Where, uh, where, where do you stream and where do you post? Uh, you can find me Twitch, um, YouTube, Twitter, everywhere. Ethis Asher. Um, I stream like three or four times a week at the moment. I've kind of dialed that back a little bit because I'm focusing more and more uh, on the YouTube side again. Um, yeah, I got a lot of really exciting content coming down the pipeline there, moving towards uh, Endwalker and also towards Final Fantasy 16. I've been doing some like Final Fantasy 16 coverage and, and speculation, and that's been uh, that's been great. That's been a lot of fun. Um, but that's uh, yeah, that's me mostly. I think yeah, that's me. So guys, thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. It's always a lot of fun to, to hang out with you two handsome, handsome boys. Oh, thank you. Uh, Chris, where can people find you and us in, in that regard? <laughs> I'm live on Twitch right now. Uh, work to game with the number two. And then we're posting, we're trying to get to seven days a week again. That's where we're, that's where we're aiming for with work to game with the TO over on YouTube. And then um, <clears throat> I've been trying to get my, uh, my personal channel up to a regular posting schedule as well. Um, over on gaming kinda and so that's had a variety of content on it uh, the nice thing about it work to games old enough now that the al the algorithm has decided you are this one thing and anything outside of that we do not like and so gaming kinda uh, is nice that youtube doesn't know what it is because that lines up with the fact that i don't know what it is 
<laughs> all right that wraps us up for podcast episode 71 thanks everybody hanging out in chat hopefully you guys enjoyed if you did be sure to hit that like button share this out with others and more but for the casually hardcore podcast episode 71 my name is brian thank you so much for tuning in hopefully you enjoyed and hopefully you have a fantastic week but until then take care